How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Hello and welcome in to episode number 45 of Boost and Baseball. I'm Derek Johnson with Dusty Baker. Episode number 45, the Garrett Cole episode, the Bob Gibson episode. So some good 45 pitchers there. Um, let's get things rolling, though. Dusty, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, I, uh, I can't see very well. Um, I have uh, LASIK coming up. So uh, I just stumbled with whatever I could find in my fridge that had alcohol. And I got lucky, and I came across the last bit of my margarita mix. And so this is straight tequila, basically, in here. So... Um, this might really do and pack in a punch for me at the uh, latter end of this episode. So, uh, we'll see what happens as is I'm going to be very drugged up during my LASIK surgery. So I'm, I'm trying to mentally prepare by drinking the same amount that I'm going to be taking in on, uh, whatever next week. So what about you? Okay. So I couldn't find any bleach. So I figured hardwood floor polish (laughs) would suffice. Um, the MLB, Lockout continues on. Owners have said, we're going to negotiate, we're going to negotiate. And then they just never negotiated. And now they want a mediator, which like you have to try before you can actually do something. And also the Chiefs happened over the weekend. So plenty of reasons for that. that. Actually, uh, what I'm actually drinking is just water with cough drops. Um, I uh, got kind of cold over the weekend and uh, still f- slowly moving my voice back. I'm stuffed up, congested and everything. So cough drops and water, meal of champions. Well, you sound great. You sound great. You, you've had kind of a rough week. This is this is probably not your best part of uh, 2022, I would say. So luckily it's only February, so there's a lot of time to uh, to ascend. But you're right. Yeah, the uh, that Chiefs game was rough. I, I, I mean, who saw the Bengals coming the way that they did, right? I mean. I, I We're up 21 honest. to three dusty 21 to three. Yeah. I, I felt bad. I, you know, and as a chargers fan, I don't know what it's like to lose important games because we're never in important games, but if we were in important games, I guarantee you, I would feel the same way. So I'm sorry that you had to deal with that. I'm sorry. You've had to deal with the cold and I'm sorry. Both of us are having to deal with still talking about a lockout because this is quite frankly ridiculous. All right. How about this one? This date just passed for a throwback baseball stat. January 30th of 1991, the Atlanta Braves signed what free agent? I actually think I know this. Um, Mm -hmm. And the only reason why I think I know this is because 
I paid a lot of attention to those Atlanta Braves teams in the the nineties. Like I just loved studying those rosters because they were so interesting. So I, I know that you had like the the Ryan Kleskos and obviously you had uh the development within like Smoltz and Glavin. Uh I think Maddox was obviously at that time too, right? Uh but I would assume this because you're bringing it up this way. I know a certain name was on that team for like four years and he left the Yankees. I, I want to say it was like only two years with the Yankees early on in his career. Is it Dion? Is it, is it that Dion? is correct. Is Dion it Dion? It's nice. Atlanta Braves. He uh, went on to, I think at one point he played in a NFL game and an MLB game, like on the same day. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. Unbelievable wow. athlete. And he would be an underrated player that I don't know if he was ownable in fantasy because he didn't, you know, play every day and stuff. But hey, steals are important, especially if you're in a standard league where it's 20% of the batting categories, which brings us to what we're going to do today our underrated batter projections. So we're going to uh, go by category of a standard league and, and we'll look at average and OBP, depending on which one you're in, or if you're in a six by six league. Um, and the only rule here, as we're going through this and talking about maybe some underrated players that you could look for later in your drafts that can help you out in some of these categories is that they have to be outside the top 200 by ADP. We're going off fan graphs. Um, the projections are from steamers and we're going to do the pitchers next episode. Um, but we'll have the batters here. And, and first of all, you might be wondering like, what are steamer projections? Um, well, here's the, I guess, description of it. Steamer uses past performance and aging trends to develop a future projection for players. It also uses pitch tracking data to help forecast pitchers on fan graphs. The projections are updated daily and predict each player's numbers of the course of the remainder of the season. Um, obviously all these are not going to be exact and you have to everybody that that's kind of the, the, the art to the science. Like everybody has their own reasons of why they think um, a projection might be underrated or overrated but they can get you on the right track of, of maybe a good base a good starting point um so uh, underrated players anybody stick out to you that comes to mind before we get into this category by category you know i i think that there's i mean every year you have a guy that just kind of seems to break loose out of the middle of nowhere uh last year you had cedric mullins and we we spent almost an entire show talking about cedric mullins I, I would say just based off some of what I saw uh, steamer projections wise, cause I went through the list a little bit. I was, I feel like they really lowballed even a really top tier player. In my opinion, Jesse Winker, uh, they seem to believe that his slugging percentage is going to drop off drastically to below 500, which, you know, the way that he hit last year, I, I buy him extensively uh, to the point where, I mean, I think he gets top three round consideration easily in standard draft leagues. I really do. I, I was super impressed by Winker. So I, I think that I, I don't really understand why they're so, you know, low on him. Um, outside of that, one that really kind of turned my head that I, I was intrigued by. And, and in my opinion, I mean, it just, it's interesting because obviously it's so hard to predict this early on, but Marcus Semyon. You know, after what the Rangers did in signing him and throwing all that money, the steamer projection on Semyon is wild. They think he's going to go 258 average, 336 on base percentage, and 467 in slugging. That is a massive drop-off. Yet, at the same time, they still expect 30 home runs and um, for stolen bases purposes because Semyon does, you know, provide on the base pass. They expect only 11 steals. So, I, I, I mean, I know it's a new ballpark, but 
that one really blew my mind outside of the top, you know, 100 though, when you kind of go deeper into these numbers and, and look at some of the players that, you know, you would probably assess to be future studs or whatnot. They didn't seem to be particularly high on the opportunity presented for Brennan Davis uh, for the Cubs, who I feel like is going to be a really good player. Steamers projections sometimes for younger players seem to be really, really low. And they expect a 243 season average, 315 on base percentage and 429 slugging. Now, I know Steamer sometimes is a little more conservative with numbers, but it, it goes both ways because, you know, guys like Tatis Jr., their numbers are probably going to be pr pretty much more accurate. They're going to take last year's as a sample. But a guy like Brendan Davis, it's just so hard to predict because you can't really expect to know exactly what that role looks like, right? So some of it's surface level. Some of it is questionable. Most of the time, Steamer is pretty close to on point. Um, it just kind of depends on, you know, when, when you go through the list, like knowing that there are just so many different variables uh, involved. I, I think that it's going to be one of those seasons too that – could very well change depending on if we have this lockout continuing because a lot of these guys are going to be impacted the way that the 60-game season was. So Steamer, for the most part, though, pretty accurate. Just a couple names that I was surprised by that I saw their numbers, and they, you know, normally their numbers drop off the paper for me, and uh, for this I was kind of shocked that, you know, maybe it didn't do that. Um, that man, they're also, by the way, super incredibly high on Alejandro Kirk, which – Sure, so be it. But like a 494 slugging, a 281 average, 15 bombs and limited at bats. Like, I don't know where that one came from. I know that he had some performances that were decent last year, but that's not one that I ever expected to jump off the page for me. Okay, let's get into this category by category. Again, the one rule we're going to apply here, they have to be outside the top 200 by ADP. So if you're in a 10-team league, that's basically outside of the top 20 rounds. If you're in a 12-team league, I don't want to do the math there. If you're in a 15-team league or something – then uh, I also don't want to do the math there, but that's outside, I don't know, like the top 13, 13 or, and a half rounds. Um, okay, by hits and average, here's some players that maybe are underrated that can help you win that category. Uh, the first would be Luis Arias. He is projected for 167 hits. He's projected to hit 299 with a 364 on base percentage. He actually has okay run production as well, 77. Uh, the one downfall with Luis Arias is he doesn't have good power stats. So if you have some players who maybe are building up those good power stats uh, along your drafts to that point, and you're saying, hey, I need somebody to raise the floor on the average numbers, Luis Arias has an ADP of 301, and he's going to give you uh, multiple position eligibility. Yeah, I, I like him considering that he's projected uh, by multiple sources to be the leadoff hitter for the Twins. I mean, obviously with the Twins situation, they could probably mix and match a couple guys in that leadoff spot. Byron Buxton, you'll probably see there once or twice. Jorge Polanco uh, probably has earned himself the, the three-hole spot. And then, of course, you got Donaldson in the cleanup role. Uh, but Arias is probably going to be getting quite a few plate appearances um, and so therefore more hits opportunities, as you mentioned, uh, he is what I like to call the prototypical Derek Johnson type player, because he is exactly what Derek loves, uh, which is tons of at bats on base, tons of runs. Uh, yeah, I, I think that he's definitely a very relevant pick and he has been on my radar for years. It may seem like this year, his opportunity will be the best for him. Yeah. And then that's such a big thing. And, and I especially, especially with some of these, projections like this is what you were getting out with Brendan Davis it, it 
you can't really project opportunity. What is your opportunity going to be? And that can be something that impacts it. And, and that's what I love with, like you said, Luis Arias could be hitting at the top of the order each and every day for the Minnesota Twins. You can't fill your team with prototypes of Luis Arias because then you're going to have no power and you're going to get uh, none of some of these other numbers and steals and everything. But if you find the right niche for those guys, then um, there's some good value there. Uh, the other guy, and, and this is a guy that I think constantly is being um, underrated in drafts. I think he should probably be closer to like 150. Gene Segura, he just kind of fills up the stat sheet and he's going to give you uh, multiple position eligibility on the infield. He's projected for 160 hits. He's projected to hit 280, 337 on base. Not like a, a great on base, but not a, one that's going to tank it either. 15 home runs, so he's going to contribute there. 80 runs scored, he's going to contribute there. And he's getting an ADP of 205. And if you compare him to maybe some guys like he's not going to rack up a ton of steals or anything, but he's just kind of solid at, at everything he does. And, and I think he classifies as one of those players that maybe is a little boring. So you can find a little more value in him. He definitely is boring. Uh, he kind of gives me modern day Raphael for call vibes of kind of towards the end of for calls career, the numbers that he was putting up. These, these are relatively similar. I'm not a huge Segura guy. I'll be honest. I was three years ago when he was, you know, getting 200 hits a season, which was wild. But it, there's a reason why I was getting 200 hits a season because there's that potential. There's that talent in him to do that. So, yeah, I do think that he's fantasy relevant, and I think that he is slept on. And I, I have to say I sleep on him quite a bit just because some of his peripheral numbers aren't the most sexy in the world. You're, you're right to list him as a boring player because he just kind of gives you numbers. He, he's not going to do it frequently, but he's not going to also be the reason why your team is tanking. You know, like he's just going to put steady, probably slightly above average numbers constantly. And that's not a bad thing, um, especially to have that on your bench uh, on a Phillies team that, you know, the lineup around him is pretty solid. And uh, Derek and I were talking even before this podcast that it's hard to project fantasy to a degree right now, just because so many free agents are still out there and, what if the Phillies get Chris Bryant? You know, like I know that there's a rumor that that may be a possibility. Well, then all of a sudden there's more possibility that Segura gets more runs scored. And and so you just never know. But already in that Phillies lineup, he's surrounded by quite a few really good hitters. Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins being the, the two that just jump off the paper, obviously, instantly. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, like, for instance, okay, Cabrian Hayes has an ADP of 141. And here's Cabrian Hayes' projected numbers. 265 average, 332 on base, 17 home runs, 64 RBIs. Gene Segura, again, 280, 337, 15 home runs, 64 RBIs, 80 runs. And he's going 60 picks later than Cabrian Hayes. Now, obviously, if it's a dynasty league, of course, you're taking Cabrian Hayes. But for the one-year value, it doesn't make sense that those would be 60 picks apart. So I think... From that notion, you can get some value there out of Gene Segura, at least where he's going, which his ADP is at 205. Okay, let's move on to the uh, home run category. Adam Duvall is a guy that you can get a lot of home runs with. Um, 33 home runs is the projection. 90 RBIs, also 76 runs, which is pretty good. Now, this is kind of the opposite to uh, Luis Arias. Like, honestly, maybe if you draft Adam Duvall, you should draft Luis Arias because with Arias, you're getting the high average numbers. With Duvall, you're getting just a 226 projected average, a 288 projected OBP. But if you paired those guys together, that's a nice little middle ground player in the ad average uh, draft position for Adam Duvall is down at uh, 218. Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, you look at what Duvall provided towards the end of last season, 
And it seems like he's one of those guys that can help win a league. Uh, you know, there's that intangible that doesn't really make a lot of sense, which is the late season surge. And Duvall has done that in three seasons. You know, like he's been a, he's been a league winner. Uh, he's proven it multiple times. Yeah. He's not the most sexy name in the world, but, um, I mean, the guy is going to hit at least 30 bombs a year when he's healthy and when he's given that starting role. And, uh, I do think that he's got hidden value just in the sense of slugging and home run power, but also RBIs, uh, keep in mind that he's at least a three category guy. So doesn't hurt you. And yeah, you combine the two of those and you're, you're basically checking off every, every box that you really need to. Well, let me ask you, because like Eugenio Suarez, who's a similar type build a player, hits a lot of home runs, not great average, slightly better projected OBP. Eugenio Suarez is going around pick 195 on average. Uh, Adam Duvall is going pick 218. Like, why would you not just wait the extra two rounds if you wanted that type of player? Yeah, and Eugenio Suarez is a whole other different conversation for me because I'm probably one of the least like of these believers out there. And Suarez, I, I do not trust him at all. So, I'd much rather have Duval if we're being completely honest. I could be totally wrong. Suarez just a couple of years ago hit 48 home runs, but I I don't know. Duval has put up the consistency of, you know, you kind of just know what you expect and you're going to get out of him versus a guy like Suarez that's getting picked two rounds earlier. I mean, you talk about riding the wave and then letting it crash. That's literally the storyline of him where he's had his really high highs and unbelievable lows where it's just steady – constant 30 home run plus seasons for Duvall, maybe not the prettiest average, but you know that he's going to give you those numbers. Okay. So here's one that I, I find interesting with a comparison as well as a possible value pick. If you need home runs, if, if you need that category, Miguel Sano has an ADP of 274. Now the average, not great. 224 OBP is not great either. 314, but he's projected 33 home runs, 87 RBIs. So he's helping you in both those, but, this is specifically for home runs. He also contributes in runs at 79. As I'm looking at Joey Gallo's projections, he's projected 40 home runs, 91 RBIs. Um, so the home runs and RBIs is a little bit more from Joey Gallo. The OBP is obviously a lot better, 342 than 314. But Gallo's average projection is 208, which is worse than Miguel Sano. He's also projected more runs in the Yankees lineup, which makes sense. I'm not arguing that Joey Gallo should not be ahead of Miguel Sano. He absolutely should. But if you're at that point in the draft where Joey Gallo's ADP is 177, and if you're picking at, at pick 170 and you're saying, I need some power, would you rather take Joey Gallo there or say, I'm going to wait another six, seven, eight rounds and take Miguel Sano for the value? I, I'm also not a Joey Gallo believer, much like Eugenio Suarez. It's generally a pass for me on him and, it's because I, I, I am right there with what you've explained. I'm not going to waste a value pick on a guy that's going to give me maybe two categories, right? Like I can get those two to three category guys at the end of my draft. And Sano is actually a really good late value pick. I mean, he's heading into his age 29 season. He's still, I mean, you can make the argument he's in his prime still. Um, he hasn't really had many healthy seasons. There's been a little bit of a peaks and valley issue with him too, but one thing's for certain, the guy is going to absolutely take off and blast home runs. Um, 30 home runs this past season, hit 34 in 2019. I mean, the average is low, but you can make the argument it's 2019 numbers, not far removed from that. 247 average, which is, as I like to call it, the Chris Davis average. Um, 
and he slugged 576. So those numbers are perfect. I mean, it's exactly what you want. He was age 26. Then you had the COVID season in 2020, uh, and he had a rough year. I mean, he struck out like 90 times in that entire season. So, yeah, he had some swing and miss issues, and those numbers persisted again last year. But, you know, I, I still think he's in a lineup. He's going to get an opportunity, and you're going to get the home runs, and strikeouts shouldn't count against you in fantasy. If they do, then don't draft this guy. Otherwise, I think that it's, it's a pretty solid and relatively safe pick. Yeah, what all these are isn't necessarily that they're great players or anything. It's just like you go to a bar and they have a $2 beer special, you know, and it's trying to find that $2 beer special. So let's move on to the runs version of this. Kike Hernandez is projected to score 90 runs this season. He's also going to help you out home runs. He's projected 25, RBI 75. Uh, the ADP for Kike Hernandez is just outside of that uh, top 200 at 211 right now. And I just think uh, when you look at the different positions he plays as well, like there's a lot of value, especially if you need runs at, at that point in the draft and taking Kike Hernandez outside the top 200. Yeah. Well, and also here's Kike. Kike is one of these players where, uh, and it's the human element to him. You saw in the postseason when Kike gets hot, he gets hot. He gets on massive heat streaks and riding the wave as a fantasy owner is one of the most fun things in the world to do. Kike is definitely a ride the wave type player. And you know that at some point that wave is going to crash, but he's going to give you overall pretty solid numbers. And I think that postseason from last year, there was no fluke with Kike. He's always been clutch in postseasons, but he now is a starting role. So you're going to see those numbers maybe even be better than what the projections are. Uh, I love Kike at that pick. I think that it's totally fair. I think that you mentioned it right there. The position eligibility, super important, especially considering COVID's still an issue. And uh, it's the thing that most people aren't going to want to talk about. But when when the season hits, if it does, you know, COVID's still going to be present and players are going to get COVID. And imagine if you're starting second baseman and you're starting shortstop, both have COVID. Well, you need a guy that can fill in both roles on any given day. Kike is perfect for that. Again, if we're doing like a player comp or for a guy who's higher in the draft, Lourdes Gurriel is projected for one less home run than Kike. He is projected for 20 less runs scored. He is projected for four more RBIs. The steals are about even four to three. Guriel has about 10 points less on his projected OBP. He does have about 20 points more on his average, but those are very similar players overall. And Lourdes Guriel, his ADP is 141. Yeah. Kike Hernandez at 211. So again, you can get better value there with a guy like Kike Hernandez. Here's another guy who can get your runs, but I think he also applies for some of the uh, the past category of home runs and an upcoming category with RBIs, Josh Donaldson. Um, the key with Donaldson is how many games he's going to play due to injury. Uh, that's obviously going to be the big key with him. Right now his ADP is just outside 200. It's a 203, but you look at the projections and it's like, man, if this guy's healthy, that's an awesome season. He's projected for 30 home runs, 84 RBIs, 87 runs, 249 average, 357 on base percentage. This guy is still kicking it somehow. He's 36 years old right now, and uh, he still has got a pretty high potential bat to to put up the numbers he's put up his entire career. And the thing that's nice about Donaldson is you can sit there and kind of make a comp to a guy like Joey Votto, right? Like the the age doesn't necessarily play a factor in how the bat produces through the zone. You know that the numbers are still going to show up and. Uh, I think he's almost a safe pick 
at that ADP of 202, that's like a safe pick. You get him, I mean, slot him in a utility spot or even a starting spot, and I'm not feeling bad about that name in my lineup at all, right? And uh, for Keeper League, you know that that's not going to be a long-term thing, right? You just have to know that. But in a one-year league, my gosh, man, I mean, he's going to give you the same numbers as most guys in the ADP top 150, top 140 are going to give you. So I think that ADP 202 is way, way off for this guy. Yeah, I see CJ Crone at 124, Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber at 127. I'd rather There's have not- Josh Donaldson than Bell. At that pick, right. I mean, like, if it's if it's all equal and I'm having to, to pay the same price in an auction or pick the same pick in the top 130 or whatever, like, maybe I'd rather have those other guys. But if I can wait another 70 round or 70 picks and I can use one of those higher picks on, on something else that can help my team, I agree with you. I'd rather take Josh Donaldson in that situation. Again, it just comes down to health. He's projected to play in 138 games. Last year he played in 135. So I don't think that projection is necessarily, like, super far off. I probably would be on the the safer side, assume for like 130. But um, yeah, I think you can get a lot of value there. Okay, on to RBI. We mentioned Duvall and Sano. Um, Those are the only players who are in the top 60 for projected runs batted in who are also outside the top 200 ADP. Donaldson's not farther off, but if we go further down the list, just to find some other names for you, uh, Charlie Blackman is projected for 81 runs batted in, 20 home runs, 75 runs as well. 278 average, 346 uh, on base percentage. Now, this is one I put on there because, honestly, this is one that I feel like I'm not expecting those numbers to hit. But if they do, his ADP of 233 is way too low. Yeah, and Charlie Blackman, keep in mind, this guy used to be a top 10, top 15 pick in in standard leagues just a couple years ago. And the major drop-off for him really is just the speed. You, it's obvious that his speed is no longer there. He's getting older. Yeah, you're not going to get Chuck for you know the same numbers in that category as as you once did. But he still is. I mean, at Coors Field, to be the, probably the best hitter at this point at that field, not named CJ Crone. I don't see why you would not take a risk on him well before that 233. Um, and it's strictly the fact that Chuck has proven it in the past. Those numbers are winning numbers. I mean, it, it goes to the idea of, I think I'd rather have Blackman than Gene Segura if we're being completely honest. Um, so I, I, I'm amazed at how low that one was. When I saw that particular projection, I think that shocked me a little bit because it, Charlie Blackman has not really had much of a down year. Even in the recent years where he's dropped off a little bit, that's drop off for Charlie Blackman, not for the league as a whole. He's still an above average player with, above average pop. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by some of these projections and that's one of them. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know. He just took such a downturn last year with the power. Like I'm not expecting him to get there, but like I said, if he does, that's probably worth a top 100 pick. I don't know. Those are really that's good. Numbers. What I'm saying. Yeah. Way. It, it may literally be like a hundred picks off. Okay. Luke Voigt is projected 79 RBIs, which how about this for a fun fact? That is the same amount of RBIs projected for Cody Bellinger. And you can get Luke Voigt at pick 265 is the average ADP or the average draft position. Um, 27 home runs, 249 average. He'll be solid with OBP, 338. I, I think that Luke Voigt is a guy that's definitely being slept on. A big part of why is because he had all those injuries last year and he missed so much time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, this guy went healthy and given the opportunity is a top 80 player. I really believe that. So – 
the big problem with this lockout right now and with us giving secure advice is that we don't actually know what Loke Voigt's situation is going to be because you've been hearing the rumors about Matt Olson. Um, obviously, the Yankees have a ton of hitters. You envision that John Carlos Stanton will never leave that DH role, right? So imagine if they get Matt Olson. What does that make Luke Voigt's role? Does Voigt possibly get traded somewhere? I don't know. Um, so that's something to keep in mind because I feel like Steamer in this particular case didn't know what to do with Luke Voigt. And the projection of 265 for the potential of Voigt is way off what he could actually give you. Um, we saw in the shortened season, led the league with home runs. We're, we're talking a one-year difference. And, I mean, he was the home run king. You know, I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how quickly, you know, that, that time clock ticked. And Void is probably the one that got punished the most this past season because of injuries in terms of his draft stock and overall stock in real life too. So this is one to monitor. If you're not drafting until after there's confirmed that there's a season and a lockout, just really make sure you star Luke Void because you're going to know probably pretty quickly after this lockout ends, what Voight's role is going to be. And meanwhile, his ADP is still going to stay the same. So make sure you put a star next to his name. Okay. Would you rather take this player at pick 96, 27 home runs, 79 RBIs, 72 runs, eight steals, 243 average, 332 on base. Take that player at pick 96 or – would you rather take Luke Voigt at pick 265, which, again, is uh, 79 RBIs, 28 home runs, 78 um, uh, or runs scored, 79 RBIs, and the uh, around 340 OBP? Which of those would you rather? I mean, I think you answered it for me. I'd take the latter. The first guy was Cody Bellinger. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy that, and, and you know that Bellinger's numbers are really, really hard to predict in itself too, just because of how big of a drop off he had last year, but man, Voight's numbers. I, I don't think you can ignore that 2020 season. I really don't. Okay. Uh, steals and then we'll get to OBP and then we'll wrap things up um, with the steals. Rymel Tapia. How about this? By the way, did you know um, that if you, uh, or at least by the projections, 15 steals. That is it. That is where we're at with baseball now. 15 steals would get you in the top 30 leaderboard. It's ridiculous because just, uh, what, 10 years ago, it felt like we had so many guys that could go for 30-30. And, I mean, the stolen base is now uh, probably the most difficult and elite category in fantasy purposes. It's ridiculous. I kind of think you almost – the first hitter you take, like, has to give you steals. I agree. Um, so anyway, Rymel Tapia, if you do find yourself in a position where you need steals, his ADP is pretty far down, further down than I than I thought. He kind of had a good start to the season and then tanked off a little, but his ADP is 273. He's projected for um, a 283 average. It's pretty good there. Not a great OBP, 335, just 10 home runs, 56 RBIs, but he also gets you 81 runs. But the big thing, he's projected for 20 steals I, I think Rymel Tapia has a lot of value going at that point in the draft. Absolutely. And uh, we're recording on February the 3rd. Rymel Tapia's birthday is on February 4th. So uh, happy early birthday to Tapia. And I'm going to say nice things about him because he is, uh, I mean, he's turning 29 years old on the 20 or on the, on the fourth. And 
Um, you know, he hasn't really been given a true opportunity until this past season. And I think he's kind of learned his identity a, a little bit more. Um, and I, I'm mistaken. He's actually turning 28 years old on the fourth, uh, which makes me want to buy him even more. Uh, you know, the slugging's not going to be high, but then again, in 2018, he had a 480 slugging. So, you know, it's in there. Um, I, I don't know. You're not going to see a ton of home runs off his bat, but the steals, man, I, I, I buy it. I buy it. I think that there's so much value to that and, uh, build your team with a bunch of sluggers and throw Toppy in there. And I don't see how that hurts you. And he's in course. He's in course. Yeah, there's 20 steals that he's projected. That would be tied 13th of what's projected. So Crazy. he could have a lot of value late in the draft. How about this guy even later? Rafael Ortega. He is projected for 16 steals, which again would put him in the top 30. Uh, the you know average numbers, total numbers aren't great. 250, 323, uh, 14 home runs, 49 RBIs, 67 runs scored. But I counter with this. He is only projected to play 115 games in this steamer projection. And when looking at the Cubs roster, when looking at their depth chart, I think he plays more than that. I think he can play 130, 140, and then you're talking about 20-plus steals. I think Rafael Ortega, who has an ADP of 326, should be going in the top, I don't know, 250 or so. Yeah, I totally agree. You also saw Ortega just absolutely smoke the ball at the end of last season. And I think that says for something, I think Steamer got this one wrong, to be honest. I really do. And uh, I think they got it wrong where the favor goes to Ortega. I think he's better than what those numbers project. And uh, I think he's fantasy relevant, by the way. I really do. He almost won a bunch of managers leagues last year because of how good he hit at the end of the year. Okay, real quick. If you're in an OBP league, um, these two guys stood out. Brandon Nimmo has an ADP nearing 300, projected OBP of 377. Connor Joe playing for the Rockies has a uh, projected OBP of 356. And similar to Ortega, I think they're low on his playing time projected, and his ADP is 334. He's only projected to play 97 games. I think that goes up, and I think his value skyrockets. Yeah, I absolutely trust guys with the two first names in their name. So uh, Connor Joe is also another guy that just turned it on at the end of the season. Nimmo is interesting because – he consistently will get on base for you. Um, the peripheral numbers aren't particularly sexy, uh, but that Mets lineup is still very good. Joe plays in Coors Field. I buy both of them, to be honest with you. Uh, but between the two of them, I think I kind of would rather have Joe. Uh, I, I loved what I saw from him at the end of the year, and I think he kind of discovered who he was as a hitter at a ballpark where it's pretty good to be a hitter. All right, we're going to do a rapid-fire shotgun six-pack. So very quick answers here. Seiya Suzuki should sign with blank. Mariners. I like the fit there. I think uh, there would be a lot of excitement to have a second Suzuki in Seattle. San Francisco needs an outfielder. Chris Bryant gone. Seiya Suzuki, come on. Seiya Suzuki will be a blank player in 2022. He's going to be a, I would say, top 95 player. I think he'll be a borderline top 100 player. Um, we talked about Shogo Akiyama not really producing. I think Seiya's peripherals look really, really good. And uh, obviously it doesn't totally translate to the MLB, but I, I think he's going to be a top 95 player. I'll say slow to start player. I think he'll be good by the end of the year, but uh, the, the conversion of coming in late with the lockout, starting the season late, just getting acclimated with a completely new country, language, all that stuff. I think it might be an adjustment right off the bat. Uh, number three, current free agent I'd rather pick in fantasy for a one-year league without knowing what team they'll be on, Trevor Story or Carlos Correa. I'm going to take Trevor Story just because I know that the stolen base is still going to probably be there. And on top of that, 
I know that the field is probably going to change and not in his favor, but he's going to be in a better lineup than what he was in last year. So Carlos Correa to me, I mean, he's one year removed from being outside of the top 100 in fantasy picks. Trevor story has been at the top 30 for a while here. So I'd rather have story. I would go Carlos Correa. I'm just worried about story away from course field, although he could resign there. Who knows? Uh, number four, winter Olympics are here. Which MLB player could you see being the best winter sports athlete? Yeah. Uh, when you look at winter sports athletes, you have to think about hair. And we talked about Charlie Blackman earlier in this one. He's in, he's in Colorado. So you just have to imagine with that flow that Chuck has, that dude has got to be a great snowboarder. Right. And like, I just pick Chuck picture Chuck with the cores and hands going down the slope saying, all right, all you Rockies fans, all five of you show up to our stadium this year. I both hate it and love it that you keep calling him Chuck. Um, I'll go Mike Trout. I don't know. He shreds the gnar. Number five, <laughs> would you prefer the World Series being on neutral field like the Super Bowl is? And if so, what ballpark would you want to first see it at? I did see a World Series in person in a neutral site, and I could say no. I wanted to be at a home stadium. I, uh, I, I enjoyed the neutral site in Arlington, but if I had to pick a neutral site particularly, um, you know, I'm, I'm honestly – I love Petco Park. I think that's a great place. That would be a pretty sweet spot. Everybody wants to go to San Diego. Agreed. No, if they did it somewhere, I'd like to see one of those, like like the cornfield in Iowa ones. Except that would be cool. Okay, number six. How I Met Your Mother, the Field of Dreams debate. Is it worth it to be upset with a significant other if they fall asleep watching the movie? Yeah, if you haven't watched How I Met Your Mother, literally the entire argument between uh, Ted and his girlfriend Robin is – the fact that she slept through the movie, I would be so pissed. I would be furious, man. Like, how do you sleep through one of the greatest movies of all time? Uh, that is a massive red flag. Y- you might be cut from my list if you sleep through the greatest movie of all time. All right, you're gonna hate me. I don't love Field of Dreams. Wow. And on I, that note, that's why we're not. We're never gonna be a. We're never gonna be a thing, Derek. It's never gonna happen. Ah, <laughs> uh, too bad. I'm sorry, but yeah, uh, sour note to go out. But that's gonna do it. <laughs> this edition of booze and baseball for dusty baker i'm Derek johnson don't forget to check out all the great work over at justbaseball.com we'll see you next time on another edition of bnb later